0: We are continuing a series that we are calling Unafraid, Unafraid. And uh, in this series, we're leaning into the question, what might it look like if we lived life a little less afraid? What might that look like? What decisions might you make or make differently if you were a little less afraid? What kind of risks would you take? What kind of adventures would you go on? Who might you dare to step further into relationship with? Who might you dare to have over to your home? Who might you dare to let your kids play with? What crazy trip might you be willing to go on if you were a little less afraid? More importantly, What impact might your life have for the kingdom of God if you lived life a little less afraid? And as we've talked about over the last number of weeks, whether we realize it or not, whether we feel it acutely or not, for many of us, fear is often driving the decisions that we make in ways we might not even realize behind the scenes. Ah, the fear of rejection. What happens if I attempt to make a move in that relationship and it doesn't work out? The fear of failure. Fear is so often driving the decisions we make. It's why many of you work where you work. It's why many of you live where you live. You don't want to venture out to things even though you may have the sense it is time. And so we're asking, what might it look like? And more importantly, what might it look like if we lived life A little less afraid when it comes to the things God might be calling us into. Uh, Today, we we really want to focus in on the question, um, how much more might you share Jesus if you lived a little less afraid? How much more might you talk about Jesus if you're a little less afraid? In essence, how much more would you do the very thing that you're alive today to do, which is to show and share the love of Jesus? Make no mistake about it. It's why he woke you and filled your lungs with breath. How much more might you share what Jesus has done and what Jesus has said if You were a little less afraid. So, uh, we are going to look at a a funky story in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, a story that I I think is going to help pave the path for us to maybe take steps towards being a little less afraid when it comes to talking about Jesus. If you have a copy of the Bible, we are going to be in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter, well, we're going to start reading at Acts chapter 4, but I'll give you some background out of Acts chapter 3. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, the verses will appear on the screen um, in front of you, wherever you happen to be um, at the moment. Acts chapter 4, we're going to start reading at verse uh, number 18. But before we get to that, let me give you a little bit of, of background so you have a sense of what's happening. Um, Jesus has risen from the dead and he's gone back to heaven and his church has launched in Jerusalem. Um, on one occasion in Acts chapter three, two of its key leaders, two of Jesus closest friends and followers, Peter and John are going to the temple to go and pray as was their custom. As they're about to arrive at the temple, they're interrupted by a 40 some year old man who has, um, he's lived his whole life crippled he's been crippled from birth and now he lives the life of begging outside the temple so he's heading to his favorite begging spot peter and john are heading to pray and their roads their paths collide he sees peter and john and he asks them for some money peter and john say man sorry we are straight broke but we will do you one better and they tell this guy in the name of jesus get up and walk (laughs) <laughs> and the Bible says immediately, no physical therapy, no YouTube how to walk videos. this guy just jumps onto his feet immediately and starts to walk and you get the impression like he's like uh, walking is for suckers and he starts to skip around and test drive what his new legs can do and he's praising God and he's just making a commotion and understandably a crowd starts to gather outside the temple because this is a dude everybody knows has never been able to do what he's doing right now can somebody please explain what happened how is 40 some year old dude skipping and praising God all of a sudden And the crowd starts to grow and the buzz starts to increase and Peter sees the growing crowd and he knows that's my cue and he does what he understands he's been called to do he's like I'm going to talk about Jesus so Peter starts to share the story of Jesus the gospel of Jesus and as he's doing that the spirit of God shows up and there is transformation about 2,000 people they jump from death to life and they start to skip their hearts healed of that disease they've struggled with from birth the disease of sin completely removed 2,000 people are saved on that day, transformation hits Jerusalem. But um, how many of you know uh, that where there is spiritual transformation, <laughs> there is often dark opposition? Ooh, where God is doing his grace, greatest work, you better believe the enemy is going to do his greatest work to undo the work God is doing, which by the way, sidebar, we'll get to this here in a second. Um, there's been so much chaos and drama and tension over the last number of years in our country and in the church. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, so much unraveling and upheaval, And um, I just recently was like, have we just missed it? Have we just not been wise to the ways of the enemy? All of a sudden, I'm starting to read these passages again and wonder, Lord, what might you have been transforming? What might you be on the verge of transforming in your church that has stirred in the enemy the need to bring about such confusion and turmoil and uh, opposition? I don't think this is a coincidence. What on earth is all of a sudden stirring leaders to be tempted to quit and people are breaking relationships over oh, stuff they would have just talked through five years ago aren't you at least curious to know what we might be on the verge of which might also explain why there is so much resistance and opposition anyway on this particular occasion opposition comes in the form of the religious leaders they show up to this revival uh, powerful influential religious leaders and they're accompanied by the chief of police because in that particular day and age those two groups were in a league with each other backed by the roman government so these dudes show up on the scene and they are furious because peter is teaching the forbidden doctrine that there is such a thing as the resurrection from the dead and this powerful group of religious leaders said that is Absolute blasphemy. Do not teach that. So they are furious with Peter and John. But come on, how many of you know that's not what they were really mad about? (laughs) They were upset because they were watching influence. And power slips through their fingers. They're upset because they're seeing this movement of Jesus, Jesus, and his followers seeming to, to, to start taking over and gain popularity and gain momentum. And they're just like, I don't remember the last time anything we said or anything we did got this kind of a response. They're furious. So since they have the legal backing and the power of the government, they arrest Peter and John on the spot. Some trumped up charge of like stirring, you know, inciting, you know, public discord or something like that. And they throw Peter and John in prison overnight. Um, I cannot, by the way, imagine how terrifying an experience this would have been for Peter and John. According to my calculations, this is the first arrest that has happened by this powerful group of people since. Jesus and they know exactly what they did to their leader if they were willing to do that to Jesus what do you think they're about to do to us this would have been terrifying I can't imagine what it was like for Peter's wife as word got back to the church my husband's not coming home tonight I don't know if my husband is coming home at all I can't imagine how much fear was experienced in the church at large as they started to wonder are they going to send a legion of soldiers to come and get us because we are guilty? by association, and we believe the same things that they believe. This would have been a scary experience. Ah, the next morning, these powerful religious leaders call up a few other powerful religious leaders, and they have this big meeting. They call Peter and John out of their jail cells into this meeting, and they start to pepper them with questions. Explain this. How dare you? Who gives you guys the right to stand up here and talk about this? And and, and this, this dude you hear, like, who gives you? And they're just peppering them with questions. And Peter's response is like, Jesus, 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 and Jesus. It is all Jesus. They're furious, but they don't know what to say. The Bible says they don't know how to Sir Peter, on account of the fact that the dude who was crippled for 40 years is standing right in front of them. They're like sidebar, and they kick Peter and John out. We need to think. And so they have another meeting, and they talk amongst themselves. And after that second meeting, they invite Peter and John back into their assembly. Acts chapter 4, verse 18. Um, This is what it says. um, Happens. Then they, these powerful leaders, called Peter and John in again. And they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Okay, I read that and I'm like, whew! Oh Lord! Sweet relief, just a slap on the wrist, and a, 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 just a, a you know a stern talking to. These guys, they dodged a bullet, right? I'm, I read this and I'm, I'm imagining you know Peter's looking at John like, for real? Like, do you know, dude, how much deader we could have totally been right now, right? Phew, we. You know my wife was panicking. She'll be so, so relieved when she sees me here in a few minutes. They're going to let us go. No charges? No sentence? Just a simple warning. Hey, stop talking about Jesus. And we won't have a problem. Translation, by the way. Keep talking about Jesus. And there will be pain, prison, or the death penalty, or all of those things combined. That'll be all, gentlemen, dismissed. For real? That's it? We're dismissed? Um, You're letting us go? We're good. Just stop talking about Jesus. And John is like, Peter, shh. Stop talking, dude. Now would be a good time before they change their minds. Okay, thank you. Your Sanhedrin ship, uh, your chief priestliness. We're out. We'll behave. We'll be good from here on out. Man, (laughs) sadly, that's how I naturally... Read this story. Peter and John, y'all dodged the bullet. Hoot, hoot. Praise God and run. Sadly, I fear this is how I would respond if I were them. This is how I would respond to this kind of a death threat. This kind of a jesus Ultimatum, Because that's exactly what this was. Continue to talk about Jesus, and we will kill you. I would feel relief. I get to see another day. And even if I had no intention of fully cooperating with their crazy mandate, I would, at a minimum, not like a bobblehead, be like hmm okay, what you said. Mm, okay. And I'd be out of there. Sadly, I think I'll be way too tempted to advise Peter and John. Give them some spiritual and legal counsel. Um, prioritize your safety and get out of life. Get out of life. Just give them the impression that you are going to cooperate and leave. I'm so curious, by the way. I mean, that's how I would respond, but I can't speak for you. I'm so curious to know, how do you think you would respond? If you were given the opportunity to go free, all you had to do was agree to stop talking about Jesus to the people in your sphere of influence. Um, Peter and John hear this threat. And you know what they feel? Fear. Fear. Because they know beyond a shadow of a doubt, these dudes ain't playing. Stop talking about Jesus, or you end up like Jesus. Smart time to just nod Bust up out of there, which is exactly what they didn't do, not even close. Verse 19, but Peter and John replied, If I was their friend I'd be no, no replying. Running, less replying. Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or? To him, Whew. you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Ooh. Yeah, respectfully. You just have to know that's going to be a strong no from us, dog. No deal. What? Now, we could stand here and give you the impression that we're going to cooperate with your mandate to not talk about Jesus, but you guys will find out soon enough. There is a Force within us i love this that will not let us stop talking about what we've seen jesus do and what we've heard jesus say we are compelled we can't help but talk about jesus we have our holy mission sir we have a heavenly mandate Sir, and it necessitates that we continue to talk about Jesus. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This did not happen too long before this. Jesus speaking to his followers. But you, he says, will receive power. There will be a force within you when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. You will talk about me. What you've seen me do. What you've heard me say in Jerusalem, which is where they are. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We have a holy mission. We have a heavenly mandate. And you men understand the the structure and the flow of authority. And surely you get this and you can be the judges. You have an obligation to submit to your greatest authority. Just as we do. We have an obligation to submit to our great chief authority. In other words, we have our orders and we understand you have yours. In other words, we get it. You've got to do what you've got to do. We've got to do what we've got to do. Wow and that's tell the world about Jesus. Now, again, we've got to pause and appreciate this is a terrifying scene. For us, it's just a few verses, maybe inspiring, maybe confusing. For Peter and John, this was a terrifying experience under the Roman dominion. These guys had no rights. They had no recourse. There was nothing they could do to protect or defend themselves. And here they are standing in the presence of the very dudes who had Jesus executed, defying their order. This would have been terrifying. But they're compelled. I'm just asking. Are you that compelled by Jesus? Would you make a declaration of allegiance to his mission in the midst of fear and in the face of harm. I'm just asking, what would you do if you were in their situation? Are you that compelled? Would you make this kind of a declaration? Okay, I get it. That's a really hard question for us to ask. You know, these really cosmic epic, what would you do if you were in a situation like Peter and John and you, you were being threatened to stop talking about Jesus or die? What would you do? It's a tough question. Because listen, as tough as we like to talk and as much as we like to act like we are some kind of like, you know, old school martyrs for the faith, please, most of us have never been in a situation where we were being threatened with physical harm unless we stopped talking about Jesus. I know. We talk like life is so hard and the church is being so persecuted in America. But we've not been in a situation where someone with the power to end our lives, or at least life as we know it, has ordered us to stop talking about Jesus. Most of us have never had a Jesus ultimatum tied to a death threat. This is a hard question. What would you do? I don't know. Except. The more I thought about this, the more I'm like, no, I know exactly what I would do. And um, you know exactly what you would do. If the stakes were that high, you know exactly what you would do. And I know exactly what I would do. And the reason I know what I would do and the reason you know what you would do is because um, what do you do when the stakes are low? I don't know that many of us have experienced what we would call like a Jesus death threat. But most of us have experienced feeling jesus threatened and what i mean by that is the feeling of fear of what might happen if i talk about jesus what might happen if certain people in my sphere of influence find out that i'm one of those jesus people I'm just saying, we don't have to guess how we would behave under the highest pressure, under the greatest stakes. Let's just talk about how we behave when the pressure is low and the stakes are low. Oh, I'll give you an example. Um, do you talk to your coworkers about Jesus? just to be clear, you have a holy mission. You have a heavenly mandate. The reason you're alive, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is so you can make much of him. Matter of fact, the reason you work where you work, the primary reason is because God has put you there on assignment to share who Jesus is in that space. So I'm just asking you the question, do you talk about Jesus to your co-workers? Now, I'm not talking about being that Christian who embarrasses the rest of us Christians. I'm not talking about you talking about Jesus when you should be working. There are breaks and parking lots. Do you talk about him? If not, why? What are you afraid of? I don't know if I mentioned, but fear drives so much of what we do and what we don't do. And if many of us are honest, no one is threatening our life at work. Most of the time, no one is even threatening our job at work. It is just the the feeling of, how, how might they perceive me? And maybe it's like, oh man, that will ruin my path to promotion. And then if my path to promotion is ruined, then I can't give as much money in the offering. So it's really for the church. Whatever. Um, are you compelled by holding on to your paycheck more than you are? About handing your co-workers their RSVP to heaven. Talking about what Jesus has. The, all I'm telling you is if you don't talk about Jesus at work, you don't even, we, we can't even be asking, what would you do if you were in this epic situation? How do you deal with it at work? Do you talk to your friends about Jesus. Of all the things you text and 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 snap and and chat and 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 post, is any of it about what you've seen Jesus do and what you've heard Jesus say? Do you talk to your friends about Jesus? Matter of fact, do your friends even know that you roll with Jesus? Do your friends know that your life has been transformed, turned upside down by The person of Jesus. If not, what are you afraid of? What's what's the threat? I won't tell my friends that Jesus deeply loves them because I want my friends to deeply love me. And I don't want to mess that up. And I'm just saying to you, if what compels you, if what drives you is being embraced by your friends, so much so that you're a little bit embarrassed about Jesus, you have no business even answering the question what you would do if you were in Peter and John's situation. I'm just saying, if you can't make a layup, why would we talk about the NBA? And I wonder how I would do with the NBA. You can't make a layup. Why are we talking about that? I'm just saying, for many of us, if we're honest, for me, if I'm honest, it doesn't even take high stakes. It doesn't even take an external threat. No one has even threatened me at all about sharing Jesus. It is just the internal threat fear that's called ashamed. I'm ashamed. And ashamed is just the fear of people's perception of me. And most of the time I've made it up in my mind, but it's enough to compel me away from talking about Jesus, which is the reason I am alive. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what they'll think of me if I tell them I can't come to that party because I know what is going to be happening at that party. And Jesus has said, would you say that to your friends? No, I'm afraid of what he'll think if I tell him like straight up. Hey, listen. If you want to experiment sexually, I'm the wrong person. This body's expensive. It's bought at a price. The blood of Jesus. So, it's Jesus. So, no. It's going to be a strong no on that one, dog. I mean, what will he think? What will he tell everyone about me? What will happen to my stock in the relationship market? Right? Jesus, would you, even beyond that, it's in the church. Like, do we talk to each other in the church about Jesus and what he says about the choices that you are making? And he calls what you are doing right now sin. And yet he's the same Jesus who is waiting with arms open. wide to forgive if you just come back? I don't want to be the person to say that. "Mm, We don't know each other like that. Mm -mm. Maybe six years from now. Then I can embrace the mandate of Jesus and be compelled to speak about who he is, what he has said, and what he's done. But until then, I don't want to be one of those holier-than-thou Christians in the church. So excuse me while the fear of perception drives me away from doing the thing I was created and called to do, which is talk about Jesus. I wonder what your life would look like if you lived A little less afraid when it came to talking about Jesus. Tell you, listen. It's not that we don't love you, fam. But it's tricky, man. Because we bring our kids over. But the things that you insist to play on the TV for your kids. They go against the purity culture that Jesus has called us to. We love you, but Jesus. No, if I said that, no, no, right? I'm just saying we know what we would do in Peter and John's situation because we know what we do when the stakes are much lower, the pressure is much lower, and no one is even actually threatening harm we bow to fear. Ah, Peter and John, they know what these people will think about them and what they are capable of doing to them. And they feel afraid. But at the end of the day, they make the most logical decision. It's really interesting when you read the Bible and you read what Peter actually says. It's very logical. He reasons in his mind. And it's almost like he's asking, um, yeah, but for us, the question is, whose bad side would we rather be on? I think we forget this question sometimes, right? Whose bad side would we rather be on? Whose consequences would we rather face? Y'all's? or his whose eyes are more piercing i love what he says we must do what's right in his eyes because right now we are standing staring into your eyes but there's coming a day when we are going to have to stare into the fiery eyes of the one who called us whose eyes are more compelling the eyes of my coworkers the eyes of my friends something is compelling and peter decides mm, yeah as terrifying as it might be to stand in the court of your opinion and your judgment there is a greater court and judgment coming and we will yeah it's going to be a no from us it's very logical very Rational. You ask us something, but God has asked us something else. You can see how God is the better option. Judge for yourselves. He even says, like, let me put this back on you. What do you think, like, legitimately? All right, you guys leave, okay? He says, so we're out. Verse 21. After further threats, death threats, they let Peter and John go. This is amazing to me. Like they did, they still let them go? What? Amazing what the Lord used. Uh, They couldn't decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously, he was over 40 years old. (laughs) Oh, we hate you and we hate this Jesus you're talking about and we wish we could crush you right now right now but the people the people um this this is almost funny not entirely funny but still kind of funny um, you better stop this Jesus thing, or else, and Peter and John are, yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm too we're serious, I know, but yeah, it's no, that's a no from us still. you yeah. know, and that's how their conversation wraps. But make no mistake about it. Peter and John get the message.. Ooh. The most powerful people in the region have told you, this crowd won't protect you forever. Keep talking about Jesus, and the next time we meet, it will not end the same way. So yeah, I'm sure Peter and John feel relief. I'm sure Peter and John still feel resolve, but they definitely feel afraid. Okay, Condor, you keep accusing them of feeling afraid, but they just stood up in front of these bullies and, and, and declared, Jesus, why do you keep saying they're afraid? Well, they're afraid because they're human beings. By the way, it is really easy to, to superimpose this super spiritual concept onto biblical characters peter and john were human just like you they felt exactly what you feel when you are under pressure if we deify them somehow and we strip them of their humanity it is going to become an excuse for us because we're going to start to say well they did it but they're different they're cut from a different cloth that they 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 had a little more peter and john had exactly what you have You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. They felt all the things human beings feel. But the other reason I know they were afraid is because when they got out, they went back to their church family. And they told their church family, this is what had happened. And you know the first response of the church when they heard what happened? They prayed to God For courage. They prayed to God for boldness. Boldness, by the way, is a virtue you only need when you're afraid. Courage is an inner resolve to continue on the course even in the face of fear. It's only something you desperately need when you feel afraid. They heard the fiery threats, and everyone is scared. Verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, the church family, that is, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Jump down to verse 29. Here it is, right? Now, Lord... Consider their death threats, consider their fiery threats, and enable your servants to speak about Jesus, to speak your word with great boldness. Wow. We know we can't stop living the mission and the mandate of Jesus. We know we can't stop talking about him wherever we Go. But God, these threats are real and we are feeling scared. And so we're asking you to do something supernatural in us. Give us unusual courage. Why? So we can continue to say yes to your holy mandate and to your heavenly mission. Help us. Because these guys, I think, understood that living unafraid for Jesus is not living with an absence of fear, it's living with an abundance of boldness boldness i'm telling y'all ah uh, what the world needs right now is not a church that doesn't feel afraid the world needs right now a church that is Filled with the boldness that continues to talk about Jesus, even though we might feel afraid. Lord, give us boldness. Boldness. Um, I'm terrified that I might get broken up with, but God, give me boldness to continue to talk about Jesus. I may get etched out of the family will, and I feel that, but Give me boldness to stay the course and talk about Jesus. What the world needs right now is not a church that acts like we don't feel afraid. The world can't relate to people who don't feel fear. Just like the world doesn't need to see a church that doesn't struggle with sin. <laughs> they can't relate to people who don't struggle with sin. They need to see people who struggle with sin and are covered by the blood of Jesus. They need to see a world that a church that feels fear but are carried by the boldness that the spirit of the living God gives. What we need is boldness to live the mission. The question I actually wanted us to answer this morning is that very question that how do we become a movement filled with people who are bold to talk about Jesus? How? How do we become that? And the answer is so simple. Prayer. 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 If this passage teaches us anything prayer like i read this story and it's tempting to think like oh man the crescendo the epic moment in the stories when peter and john stand up in front of these political bullies and they tell them about jesus or it's tempted to think like no it's when they escape and they get out and the music credits roll and the music is super emotional like that's the highlight no the highlight in this story is when they get back to the church family and fall on their knees and cry out to god that's when things start to happen this is a powerful scene. Prayer. Prayer. A bold church is a praying church. And a praying church is a bold church. What will make you bolder to talk about Jesus to your friends? Prayer. Prayer. Let's read this prayer as we wrap. This is such a great Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. That's Jesus. Verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Ah, they just did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Verse 29. Here it is. Now, Lord. Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with greater boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Woo! That's the the part right there. What a powerful prayer, a template that I think we should mimic, frankly, because I think they're mimicking the template that was given to them by Jesus. But they start this prayer by addressing God as the great, God the great. This is so awesome. They start by just declaring the greatest of God back to him. You, God, you are sovereign. You're in charge. You do whatever you And you are the creator. You created everything and you did it in style by simply speaking things and they came into being. How great a God you are. Did you see it? Our Father who reigns in heaven, hallowed be your name. And speaking of speaking, you spoke in your word through your servant David about why do the governments and all of these political powers and kings and, and countries try and conspire against me to try and thwart my agenda. They tried it with Jesus. You saw what happened with him. He rose from the dead. He's seated at the highest station, the right hand of God, because you are unstoppable. What you want to happen will happen. In other words... Your kingdom will come. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there is no one who can stop it. Woo-hoo! And then they start to pray to God, the giver. And say, hey, um, now, sovereign God, we need some daily bread. We have a need that you can provide. Please give us the inner resolve to speak about Jesus even though we feel afraid, and even though the threats keep coming, give us boldness, they pray. (laughs) I love it. And they're like, oh, and do miracles. Do miracles. This is a great prayer, and I'm telling you, I am jumping on the do miracles prayer train. Why? (laughs) So that no matter where we stand and whoever we're talking to, and no matter what argument they want to raise, the matter of fact is the 40-year-old dude who was previously crippled is standing in front of them, and they can't say anything. Do miracles so that when you work, it'll be clear that only you could have done what you just did so that thine might be the glory and the power forever and ever and ever. Amen. Mm. Mm. Prayer. They understood the power of prayer. And they understood, by the way, the priority of prayer, which is something I I, I sense the Spirit of God inviting His church back to. When they experienced fear and they experienced the threats, when they felt the fear about talking to their friends about Jesus, their first response was to pray. When they felt the fear of what might be happening in our country, their first response was to pray the spirit is calling his church back to a priority of prayer they ran to the power of prayer you noticed they didn't first post on social media they prayed they didn't first quickly arrange a protest to try and change the minds of those powerful men that's where the church is completely derailed and obsessed in all the wrong places we are so obsessed with changing everything around us. They were like, Mm-mm, change us. The world's crazy and will continue to be crazy. Give us boldness so we can continue to navigate through the craziness and talk about Jesus. You notice? They didn't pout about it and talk about how we're victims and everyone's getting and they're trying to take our this and they're trying to take. They did. Nope. They prayed. They didn't point the finger. They didn't politicize. They they didn't polarize. You're on that side. You guys are sellouts, and you're still under the thumb of the Roman Empire. No. They prayed. They prayed. There's power in prayer, and I came to tell you God wants to do something in your life and in our life as a church and through us. But he's looking for people who will pray in the midst of fear, continue to talk about Jesus. And they prayed with unity. I loved this. Notice that then they prayed together. This is throughout the Bible. Some of the most amazing things God did, he did in response to people when they prayed with other people. There is power in that corporate united prayer, putting our differences aside and praying together. There is power in this. And I sense again the Spirit inviting us, hey, stop raising your voices against each other. Try raising your voices together to me and watch what happens. And I'm convinced the devil knows if the church joins their voices and starts talking to God. Oh, man. Jesus will move in transforming ways in our county. I believe the miraculous will happen in our county, in our time. And I love that they prayed with specificity. They dared to ask God for exactly what they needed. I'm telling you, listen, if you want to be more bold to talk about Jesus, ask him for whatever you need to get that done, and he will say yes in a resounding way. I love that they ask very specifically. Give us boldness so we can continue to talk about Jesus even though we're afraid. And oh, do miracles. Do miracles. Do miracles. And again, I want to be a part of the whole do miracles thing. I want to be part of a movement that people can't argue with. Because it isn't about, you can't blame a political party. You can't say, well, that church is this way and this church is that. No, explain that. There's only one explanation for this. It's Jesus. Great. Now let's talk about him. I think what appears to the times of division. Is Jesus. Please do the miraculous. So all of us can just shut up. And say it has to be you. So I'm on the pray for miracles train. I'm just telling y'all right. Now. Um, verse 31. And then you can go get your children. After they Anyway, after they prayed, it says, um, man, this is just wishful thinking. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Woo! And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Mm. Mm. I love that. The threats didn't stop. The government didn't change, (laughs) but the spirit came and stirred in them a fresh boldness to talk about the person of Jesus and revival continued to break out in that place. The miraculous continued to happen in that place. I don't know if God is going to shake the room in which you join with other believers to pray, but he might. What I do know is I believe he is looking for people who will pray for the boldness to continue to talk about Jesus so he can say yes and do the unspeakable. I'm curious to know what your life might look like if you prayed for the boldness to live a little less afraid when it comes to talking about the person of Jesus Christ. There are people in your world who are dead spiritually and dying physically, and you are heaven's mouthpiece. God, give your church boldness even now. Give me a fresh boldness to talk about Jesus in every space. I pray specifically for our students, our teenagers, our college students, that you would stir in them a Fresh boldness are compelling by your spirit to love Jesus enough and love their friends enough to speak about him to them. And Lord, I do pray that you would do the miraculous. In fact, I pray that if there's someone in this room right now who has a need that has perpetuated for years and years and years, that you would bring about healing that makes clear to them and to us that only you could do it so you would receive the glory forever and ever and ever Amen. Raise up a bold church in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.